happy Monday and welcome back beautiful souls to You Uplifted, the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into our potential and power. I am your host Safa. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach and I've got a lovely interview in store for you today. Now just a bit of a warning with this one. We recorded via Zoom and sometimes the tech gods aren't so nice to us when it comes to audio. So it is a little bit rough, but it is such a gem of an interview and you're going to enjoy it so much. So do not tune it out. Keep listening. I promise it's worth your time. And then let me tell you about my guest because she's just lovely. Her name is Joe Haby and she is an elementary school administrator and adjunct professor. Joe is extremely dedicated to the academic and personal success of black children in America. And she has been an advocate for survivors of sexual abuse and is a member of the Speakers Bureau with RAIN, that's R-A-I-N-N, for those of you who aren't familiar. It's the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. In 2016, Jo started a travel blog where she shared her explorations of being a solo, budget-friendly traveler. Most recently, she enjoys writing and speaking about a variety of personal interests, which include advocacy for women who have experienced trauma, mental health topics, and living their best life. She just wrote her debut novel titled Jada's Diary, From Growing Pains to Found Promise. Joe is a very powerful woman and I am honored to have had her on the show and I know you're going to enjoy every minute of this conversation. So here is the lovely Joe. Well, hello Joe and welcome to You Uplifted. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad you're able to make it. Uh, for the listeners, Joe is joining me via Zoom um, for all the way from New York. So I'm hoping that the uh, technology gods are good to us and that the audio goes well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there is so much I want to talk to you about, but I would say let's begin by really getting you to introduce yourself to the listeners, give them an idea of who you are and what you do and how you got there. So my name is Joe Kaby. By profession, I'm an educator. I've been in education for coming up nine years and I love it. I've worked mainly in the elementary field and my specialty is math. So right now I'm a math coach at an elementary school and I'm also an adjunct professor for grad students who are getting their master's in elementary education. So I really enjoy doing both roles because I'm outside of the classroom now, but I'm still able to use all of the experiences that I've had from the classroom to help and support teachers. And I've also recently um, transformed, I guess you would say, my online persona. Um, for the last four years, I've been blogging solely about being a solo traveler, going around the world by myself to different places and giving people tips and um, just advice on how to do that in a budget-friendly way. But mo most recently, I've, I've switched how I'm presenting myself online to now being more of an advocate for women and the things that they go through, particularly any wounds that have been left behind by trauma. Um, personally, myself, I was a, a victim of sexual abuse, as well as I had a broken engagement. Um, I've, I've been through a series of failed relationships. So as you could imagine, those things kind of, you know, leave a residue of, of trauma, if, if not healed the right way. So now, now that I've gone through therapy and have just done a multitude of things to get myself back to, you know, who I am at my essence and really healing those wounds, as I said before, now that I'm at that point, I, I'm wanting to share with a lot more women because I realize that, you know, we do suffer from a lot of things in silence and I want to be someone that is not only a voice, but also just a friend in, in just helping women just become their best selves, no matter what they've been through. I love that. And there are so many of us that have different types of core wounds around many different situations in our lives and stories. And I, you know, it's something that I actually have brought up in the show before. Um, I think it was episode three or four when I was talking to one of my guests that it's interesting because it always seems to me like the those of us who are healers or who have this healing aspect to us, we will take something 
in our lives that has created a very deep core wounding, we will alchemize it and we will hopefully put it to use in a way that we can serve others. And I hear that's what I hear from you, which I think is beautiful. And it's not an easy place to put yourself in because it demands a whole lot of vulnerability and um, openness and honesty, and it can be a little bit scary. So Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to know that you are out there doing this work and I can see so many sort of like tie ins to everything. And for me, as being someone who was also um, assaulted when I was younger, it is it just makes me know even more so that there is work that we can do internally to move on. So let's pick it up from that side of your expertise or your practice. And let's talk a little bit about trauma specifically for women and the work that you do. What are some of the most prevalent misconceptions that you run across? That's a great question. So honestly, one of the, the biggest things that I've been getting, it's it's been about a month, I would say, maybe a little over a month since I've um, shared my platform with people and actually came out as a survivor of sexual abuse and other things. And one of the biggest um, topics or trends, I would say, from like messages and phone calls that I got from people was, oh my goodness, Joe, I would never guess you you always look so happy you're always smiling and you seem so strong mm-hmm. and it just that was I, I honestly wasn't surprised that people said that because of course you know especially on social media you can portray yourself to be who you want to be and I always say you know like people don't always show their bad the bad things that happen there are some people who you know are just super open and they show you the good the bad the ugly but then there's people like me who every picture i pose i'm smiling square you know foreign just having a good time so i think that is a misconception that you know people that appear to be happy and are always smiling or you know that typical strong woman or strong girl that they don't also go through things and I really, really want to help dismantle that because just because someone portrays themselves as being strong or happy doesn't mean that we're not human. And all humans go through things, you know? It may not necessarily be as extreme as, you know, some of the things that I've experienced. It may be something, you know, that's, that's not as traumatic. But then again, who am I to say, you know, my trauma is greater than yours, right? Mm-hmm. So I think just like that stigma of, you know, that you have to look a certain way or be a certain way in order to be a victim of certain things that happen in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I absolutely agree with you. And how funny because it's just one more way for our ego to try and box things up for us and to color the world a certain way. And you hit the nail on the head because it's true with this social media world that we live in, things can be very picture perfect to a lot of us, but we don't really know what's going on under the surface. And that actually is not just with social media, but face to face. You can be around someone and think you know them really well, but you still don't know all that's going on inside them or the experiences they've lived or how they see the world. And it is important, I think, for us to have grace within ourselves, for ourselves, but also for other people and know that there may be something else there that we're missing and that it's good for us to show up and just be present and not make assumptions about people. So that goes either way. You could either be around someone who's very happy all the time. And, you know, if you're like me, for example, I think one of my biggest things for a while has been that I'm a people pleaser. (laughs) And so I come across as very kind and very like upbeat and just like perky. But, you know, that doesn't mean that there isn't that pain inside that I work through and there isn't lessons that I've learned that have transformed me into a new and different version of myself constantly and that applies for all of us so keeping that grace in mind and knowing that you never know what someone is going through I think allows us to open the doors to be the listeners to be the ones that show up to be the ones that hold space for the people in our lives and we hold it more presently so I think that that's a beautiful answer and a a, a truth a very deep truth that we all have to be aware of a little bit more and then in your work you focus a lot just like i do on the female centric right whether it's a woman or whether you identify as a woman or you just have a lot of feminine intrinsically inside of you and i believe that the female form in itself has been has gone through a lot (laughs) we've had to put up with a lot more trauma (laughs) And so in that sense, what are the deepest core wounds that you have found in your work 
with trauma and women? Well, one of the things that I definitely, um, I really think, well, I really had to discover and learn was how much I was kind of like putting band-aids on, you know, when something happened to me, I would put a band-aid on it. And this is metaphorically, right? But before it heals, I'm ripping it off because something else is happening. Now I have to tend to something else or another wound, right? So I like to use metaphors because sometimes it helps me and other people when I talk to them kind of understand it. But it's kind of like if you keep ripping these Band-Aids off before your cut is healed, it's never going to heal. And then you have not one, but two, but maybe like five and 10, and then it just keeps increasing, right? So um one of the things that's very important to me and I always encourage people is when we do go through traumatic things, maybe, you know, it's a breakup, maybe it's the loss of someone very close to you or a job transition, anything that, you know, causes stress and angst inside of us is to really take time to pause. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be other competing interests, kids, jobs, maybe you have a significant other, things like that. But if we really don't take the time to deal with those things that we're going through and we just keep trying to push past it. I think for me, and I can speak just from my experience, it just creates like just a heavier load that I'm carrying mentally because I never took the time out to address one thing. So that is definitely something that, that I noticed. Yeah. That lack of replenishing because we, you, you're absolutely right. We give and we give and we give of ourselves and we forget to replenish or we feel like it's selfish we see that replenishing of the self as something that we are not allowing ourselves or should not be allowing ourselves to do because we feel like if we do, it's going to make us be selfish. And then that means that we don't care about everybody else. And that's so silly because I think it starts with us. You know, you can't be in a relationship of any kind with anybody if you aren't putting yourself first, second and last. (laughs) So it's just one of those things that's very interesting. Yeah. And specifically too, in terms of, at least for me, dealing with trauma, I think there's also this added element of shame attached to it because there's some stigma around, just like you said, you know, people may not necessarily see or know things about you just by seeing how smiley you are all the time, et cetera. Same thing goes for me. But with trauma, there's this element of shame because there's this stigma of the victim, you know, the victim usually actually gets punished for having gone through whatever it is that they've gone through or for approaching life the way that they do after that point. So in terms of dealing with that shame or in terms of dealing with that guilt, is there any particular advice or are there any tools that you have used in your own recovery and in your own growth? that can help the listener to maybe find a place of grounding in dealing with their own trauma. That's not going to keep them stuck in shame and guilt. Absolutely. Well, the first thing that I would say is that, you know, anything bad and traumatic that happens to us is not our fault. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just something like for me, I had to constantly tell myself this. So um, just, you know, full vulnerability. I mentioned, you know, victim of abuse. In 2018, I was actually raped by a man that I met. It was our first date and he took me back to his apartment and locked the door and had his way with me um, unconsented. Mm-hmm. And I would never forget, you know, after after I got the chance to get out and I got home and I like, you know, showered and I just sat there and I was just like, oh my goodness. Like I felt, like you said, I felt ashamed. I felt disgusted and I felt like it was my fault because I'm just like, Joe, you know, you should have never went back to this apartment. You should have, you know, just did mm-hmm. something different and going through all the gamut of things that could have made the outcome different. But I realized, no, it wasn't my fault because I can't put, I cannot put that kind of blame on myself. I did not take that action on myself. So again, it may not be a situation like what I went through, but when you think about ways that you are carrying on the baggage, I would first also ask myself like, whose load is this to carry, right? So in that example, I mean, yes, it definitely emotionally changed me, but that wasn't my load to carry because that person obviously had things wrong in himself and things that he was going through. And he, he used me as the recipient of that. So after I got through just realizing it wasn't my fault, and then of course, going through my healing journey, another thing that I would say, and you mentioned it in a different way earlier, but it's just like to really have compassion with yourself. 
we are our biggest critics as humans. And I think maybe even a little bit more as women, because I know that we're just critical beings, but just to really be compassionate towards our feelings and the words that we say to ourselves. So a lot of times, like before, you know, even just saying to myself, like, gosh, Joe, how could you be so dumb? How could you be so stupid? Like, mm -hmm. I should not be talking to myself that way. You know, even if that's how I feel, our words speak power, especially the words that we speak to ourselves. So that's another thing that I would say, just try being a little bit kinder to yourself, have compassion and know ultimately, even though you may not see it right now, whatever you've gone through is helping you not only to become stronger, but it's going to help you in another area of your life. And now I'm able to see almost, you know, over two years later, how, you know, this has helped me. Like I've, I've written a book since then. I've been speaking more out about, you know, um, sexual abuse and been able to connect also with a lot of people, people that I know in my family that has even come up to me and just like, hey, this has happened to me too, or something like this. So um, I didn't see that two years ago. Two years ago, I was blaming myself. I was, I was upset. I was mad at myself. But now I see that I'm able now to use my pain for a bigger purpose. Yeah. God, Joe, I love that. It's so powerful because it's so true. <laughs> we do have a tendency to, and I, I feel like I say this almost every episode. So <laughs> maybe there's a reason for this. And I hope that the listeners are, are, letting that sink into their souls that we do tend to be so harsh and so demeaning to ourselves and it becomes almost a self-martyrizing thing where we think that we have to somehow you know atone for things that we have perceived as being our fault and that to me that is a big point of the trauma brain as well is that we constantly put it on ourselves and it's not just us you know and the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we you like you said we put it all on our responsibility but one thing that i don't like about certain aspects of the spiritual work or being around the spiritual realm so to speak is that sometimes you'll hear people say that it is it, this particular trauma or this lesson was one of your choosing and that like immediately raises some sort of red flag inside me because it's it's just putting us more in shame about things you so that if you're listening to this and you've gone through a traumatic experience and someone in the spiritual community told you that you went through it for a reason or that um, basically you chose this before you even were born or whatever and that feels very suffocating or it feels very guilt-ridden or shame-ridden do not even take it in that is yes. not yeah that it don't even give yes. it any credence don't give it any power keep your power within yourself and know that that even though it may be coming from a well-meaning place mm -hmm. is not absolutely it's not true it's not your fault you didn't make it happen you're not choosing yes. this you know i hear it all the time from people who are like oh well this and this and it's totally my fault what am i doing wrong and you're not doing anything wrong you're not doing anything wrong you know, you absolutely can heal and learn from things, but that doesn't mean that you made it happen or that it's your responsibility or that you're the one who caused it. So I love that you shared that with us. Thank you, because it is it's an important point, I think, for all of us yeah. to remember. Yeah. So so I really I really like that. And I've always said also that guilt and shame are two big shackles meant to keep us enslaved to old patterns of thinking or, you know, different things in our lives. And so for what it's worth, as people are listening to this, like I said, don't shackle yourself to the idea that something is your fault when it isn't. And give yourself a lot of grace and be kind to yourself and speak to yourself with words that are going to bring life into you rather than belittling yourself. And it's true. You don't know what you don't know also because you're mentioning about, you know, being able to speak with members of your own family who have gone through something similar. I mean, that's a power right there because what you were doing is then supporting each other. You know, we really should be there for one another to uplift one another, to embrace one another and to help one another in the best way we can. And a lot of times that can't happen when we're completely shut off or trying to keep something secret, you know, or trying to pretend that it's not there, run away from it or force it into submission. All of those things are not going to work. But when you're able to hold space for someone in that same way, because you understand or you can just be there for them. Oh, it makes a tremendous difference. So I yeah. So again, I appreciate you for sharing that. And what is in terms of that familial 
healing as well. What has been the most important part for you that you've gained from your recovery in terms of of sharing things with your family about this? I think it's just always refreshing whenever you can invite in conversations that you've never had before. Um, You know, sometimes family relationships can be strained and obviously, you know, even as an adult, certain things that, you know, there's those certain things that conversations I don't want to have with my mom and I'm, you know, an adult just because of that dynamic, right? But um, I think it is is just a healing thing whenever you can just invite these different topics to come to fruition. And even not even just thinking about my family, but also with some friends as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, people that I've, I've been connected with and on social media, and they're coming out and sharing their stories with me as well. It's just also just a reminder of how connected we are with our experiences. And we would never know if one of us doesn't share or going through similar things and actually really want somebody to talk to, but maybe don't know how to go about it or, you know, maybe is afraid for, you know, the stigmas that we have attached to certain conversations. So if more than anything, I've just been getting confirmation, you know, in the spirit realm and just here physically with people just knowing that, okay, I I, I did the right thing by, by sharing, um, peeling back this layer of myself with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the doors that get open to us when we do approach that sense of vulnerability and knowing that it's good to have a tribe, you know, it's good to have someone there who's going to show unconditional love and it's going to be able to listen. Because a lot of times that is just about not being able to say, you know, not being able to speak our truth. And that brings me back again to the the concept that it's a lot of us in the feminine have a lot of deep traumas, not just because of that but because of the the qualities and the values that have been almost superimposed on on us you know and i'm talking specifically patriarchal (laughs) and and the way that that makes us feel so unsafe and so unsteady and so you know unsettled around and that actually puts to mind the idea and the, the beautiful knowing that you've been able to let yourself travel by yourself because i think that's one of our collective deepest wounds as women we've been taught essentially that we're not safe, you know, and we know that pretty much everywhere we go, we have to be almost, you know, extra hyper, um, hyper um, aware so that we know what's going on at all times around us. And so for that same reason, I think a lot of us shy away from traveling, especially by ourselves. I personally have been lucky enough to be able to do that. And it feels so incredibly healing, but I would love to hear more from you and your perspective regarding that, the ability to travel and how it's helped you as well through the trauma and anything else that you think may be useful for the listeners. One thing that I've, I've kind of pretty much been an independent person since since I've been young, it's just like instilled in me. Like, I think that's one of my traits I was born with. Like, oh, if somebody didn't want to do something, if all my friends were going to the park, but maybe I wanted to go and stay home, I was going to stay home because that's what I wanted to do. So I think just from my personality, when I thought about the idea of going somewhere myself, it didn't necessarily scare me to think I wasn't going to have company. Um, I remember early on when I first started traveling and, you know, I would call up some friends or, you know, my sister and I say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about taking a trip here. Would you be interested in coming with me? And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but sometimes when you try to plan a trip with a group and then by the time it gets to the trip, maybe if it was eight of you, maybe it's only two left (laughs) (laughs) or something similar. (laughs) So after a few of those disappointments, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to do these things myself. So um, it has definitely, more than anything, I can say solo travel has really helped me to gain a strong sense of who I am. Because it's one thing to be, you know, in your local city, you know, doing things on your own, going here and there. But Mm -hmm. it's a total other experience being in a country where you don't speak the language, 
you're not familiar with the customs, you know, you're by yourself and all these other factors, but you really have to rely on your sense and you have to rely on that confidence and that inner voice that says, mm, maybe it's not a good idea to walk down this street. Let me walk down this, this street that's a little more popular, you know, things like that. So even, even before, you know, my big my big breakthrough couple of well last year really with going through therapy and everything like that i realized that travel was such an integral part of my life because it allowed me to escape my everyday you know what i was doing my everyday routine here in new york city which is incredibly fast incredibly busy mm -hmm. and you know i i i realized that i was also using it as a coping mechanism and it, I, it didn't it didn't get revealed to me until last year when I went through my healing and working with my therapist. But over these years and, you know, like I mentioned before, with the Band-Aids, like travel is one of those things for me. I've had wounds from childhood that I've never addressed. It took me almost 30 years to address, you know, all of these things. But mm -hmm. she helped me to realize, like, well, you know, you're traveling so much because you're trying to escape. There's something that you're running from and you're escaping because it was at a point like pretty much almost every other weekend I was going somewhere or, you know, I don't spend holidays with my family, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, I'm always gone. And it's, I mean, not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but I knew that there was something that's kind of like I'm, I was chasing something that I really couldn't get my hands on. I'm thankful that travel was my outlet and it's great. I encourage anyone to solo travel, but for me, I know that it was um, also representative of just like a lot of other things that I had going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can completely understand that. And it's funny because it's, sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need the escape and <laughs> the ability to feel a different kind of sense of space or freedom in order for us to really be able to sit down and do the work because it's, it's challenging and it can be very painful and it can be very daunting. Sometimes being in your own space is not as conducive to it. But I think you you really said this well, and it is that it was also a band-aid, you know, and that you were kind of using it to escape because I think that we can also fall into that trap. I'm someone who likes to fancy herself a gypsy at heart. <laughs> and so I think in the back <laughs> of my mind, I would love to say that I, you know, I just want to spend every moment of every hour of every day traveling. But I also know that there is that space within me that knows that if I was to do that, I probably would just be running away from more stuff, you know, and more healing that needs to be done. That's not to say, by the way, that yeah. if you're a nomad, that that's bad. Absolutely. No, I think there's a lot of people who can do this successfully and that gain so much growth from it. And that's maybe their, their calling in life is to be nomadic and to travel and to see and to experience. But I also think it's good for us to be honest with ourselves when we are in the stages of being nomadic like that to address, is this really benefiting every part of me and it's for my highest good? Or is it that I'm just kind of running away from things that I don't want to deal with where I'm at in my actual day to day life, you know? And so I think that that's crucial as well. And it's interesting because then that leads to more of this idea of those core wounds. So, and I think the listeners have by this point heard me say this several times, you know, I talk about core wounding all the time, but when it comes mm -hmm. to trauma and the things that we experience to me, and I would like for you to share what this means to you as well, because I want to hear your thoughts. To me, a core wound is something that happens in our lives. Uh, it doesn't matter what age, but a lot of times it can be at a very early age in our lives that puts us in a state of shock or that shakes the whole reality of what we think our lives, ourselves, our world is, and through which we start looking at the world, you know, in a very particular way. We create stories around it and then we cement our, our values and our matter around that or inside that. And then we almost we can use it as a shield, but then we also use it, like I said, like as a self-flagellating tool, or it's something that keeps us stuck to that point in time. And there are ways in which we can heal those core wounds, but there is a necessity for a lot of grace and self-awareness and, and that introspective work. So um, yeah, if you could share with us what you think about that aspect of the core wounding and maybe even share some techniques or some practices that you think are, are helpful to identify trauma in the first place? Well, the first thing I would say is you are absolutely correct. You hit the nail on the head. Like 
a lot of our adulthood and the way that we react in certain situations, a lot of that really stems from our childhood. And this was something that I never, ever thought of until last year when I started doing my healing work. The reason why I ran to therapy as quick as I did last year, I was engaged and the engagement got broke up, broken off very quickly. And immediately after that, you know, of course I was so distraught. I was, you know, extremely emotional. I was sad. And I'm just like, you know what? This is it. I'm going to finally sit down and talk to somebody. So when I did um, get the therapist, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was this relationship and, you know, why I thought he was so awful and why, you know, it didn't work. And I wanted to fix that. And she was like, Joe, wait, pause. Like after I finished telling her, you know, everything about the relationship and how I was feeling. And she's like, okay, she wanted me to talk about my childhood. She wanted me to start there. And I really questioned her at first, you know, in my mind. I didn't question her out loud because I, I thought there was a reason why she did it. But I questioned why in the world is she starting off with my childhood when I'm telling her about right now. I don't want to talk about when I was a kid. I want to talk about how I'm hurting right now and how we can fix it. But she really, you know, just through her questioning and through the sessions had me to realize, you know, one of the reasons why my relationship failed and other things is because I had things that I never addressed from a childhood. So, you know, you said there are things that can happen that shapes how we see the world. Um, using myself as that example, um, when I was a child, I was molested by a family member mm-hmm. at the age of 12, numerous times. And I specifically remember after those incidents occurring, uh, very quickly after that, I became sexually active and I viewed guys as just an object. Mm -hmm. I never had any attachment emotionally to them because also I realized that, you know, well, I was, you know, very premature in, in, you know, how I was behaving with males, but, you know, a lot of them, you know, would, would do and we do what we have to do and then they leave. And then I just repeat that cycle, have somebody around for a little bit. They leave, repeat, repeat, repeat. And I realized one, like she had me also go and think through that, but it really like has tainted all of my relationships pretty much from men, just from that one incident that happened with my family member, because mm-hmm. one, I never, ever fully trusted men. And I would always expect them to be just, you know, it's kind of like you expect them to leave or I expect myself to do something wrong that's going to drive them them away. And all of this, again, stemmed from what happened in my childhood, which I never addressed. I never told anyone until I was an adult about what happened, but it absolutely shaped, you know, just the lens in which I saw them. So I, again, 1000% agree with what you said. And I think, you know, this is very important. You know, one of my platforms is childhood trauma because I can visibly see the effects that it's had on my life and, you know, how I, I view certain things. And I would encourage anyone that's listening to, you know, go back to that child who you were. So you said like, what, are, what is one of the things, you know, I've done to address that? One of the things that I did is I wrote a letter to my 12 year old self. Mm-hmm. I wrote a letter to her and, you know, just saying, you know, just a lot of the things that and virtues that I've picked up over the years. But I also wrote a, a letter just to say, and again, I told myself, you know, what happened to you wasn't your fault. Because again, at that young age, I was blaming myself for what happened. I didn't understand it because I was 12 years old. I had no even concept of, you know, what was happening in the world around me. But for me, that was very therapeutic. And one of the one of the techniques that uh, my therapist worked on with is talking to my inner child. So actually having conversations aloud where I'm talking to the 12 year old Joe, I'm talking to the 18 year old Joe, I'm talking to the 21 year old Joe, and just you know just comforting her because I realized you know a lot of the ways that I reacted and behaved was because I was so hurt and so wounded. And sometimes you know when when we're in stressful situations, we react how we're used to reacting most of the time. Unless we're taught different, we're going to continue repeating the same patterns and the same behaviors. And that's been my life for, you know, almost 20 years, just repeating, repeating the same thing over and over again. So just really just going back and apologizing myself, because I think you said it before, you know, like you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that I had to heal myself before I even thought about getting married to another person. I didn't know that 
you know, we hear this all the time, like you need to find your other half and you need to find that person that's going Mm -hmm. to complete you. That was what I was always told. So anytime I got with a guy and I still felt unfulfilled, I'm like, well, what is wrong? You're supposed to be completing me. Why am I not feeling at a hundred percent? You know, and I had to apologize to myself because I was taught wrong. I was taught so wrong about, you know, what it means to be whole and what it means even to be in a relationship. And, you know, to anybody that's listening, because this epiphany just occurred to me in 2019 is that, you know, you, you, you should never look at someone to complete you. Yeah. You should be whole before you join yourself with someone else. That's two holes coming together and making it happen. But mm-hmm. if, if there's a lot of things that you have that are not addressed within yourself, it's, you know, it's not, not likely to, to be something that's long lasting, or you're just going to find yourself not truly being happy because you did not create that wholeness in yourself. Yeah. Oh gosh, Joe. There's so much to that, that I agree with everything (laughs) you just said. First, let me say, I love that you wrote that letter to yourself because there's one thing that I believe is very healing as I've experienced it myself in my own life is that, um, embracing your younger self and talking to your younger self and having conversations and really healing that child inside of you where you almost essentially become that that parent or that love that perhaps at that very early age you were getting in a different way or not getting at all so talking to yourself as a, as a younger version of yourself and even eventually down the road talking to you not just your inner child but your inner adult you know is so powerful and it's so healing and it can transform so much in our lives, but it's definitely not easy work. And always I say, if you are just starting down this journey, then look for a therapist or you could definitely reach out to a coach, you know, and have them guide you through it so that it doesn't become so overwhelming that you get lost in that space, but it is healing. So inner child work is so important. And then I love that you once again reiterated that you have to make yourself whole. You know, it's not, I do think we do a bad job in our society of romanticizing the idea of, oh, this is your other half and this is going to be like the love of your life or whatever. And if, you know, if they make your stomach get butterflies and if your knees get weak and I'm like, uh, (laughs) no, first and foremost, I'm a big believer that like butterflies in your stomach and weekend knees and all of this like expression is not actually a good sign, but it's your body's intuition giving you a warning. Like, it's like, this is dangerous, get away. Cause it's the same type of sensation that you get when you're being chased by like a dinosaur, you know, it's the same response. Right. You're just interpreting it differently when it mm-hmm. is a, the, let's call it a sacred connection or a connection that will allow you to grow. And that is there because both parties are doing the task of growing internally, then it feels very peaceful. It doesn't feel super exuberant or all over the place. It doesn't make you feel unsteady at all. It actually does the opposite. It grounds you. It feels very peaceful. It feels very organic, very natural. And then the full acknowledgement that you don't need anybody to complete you. And the one person in your life who really is, and in my opinion, must be, um, even though I shy away from the word must, (laughs) but the greatest love of your life is yourself. So absolutely. Yeah. There's so much beauty and so much power in that. And, you know, again, it's one of those things that we also have to have grace for even the way in which we've been taught, because obviously that's the way many generations have been taught down the line and just have grace for that. But there's always the choice. We can always choose to reframe things for ourselves and to approach them in a different way. And I think in many ways, the same goes for our trauma, which again, it's a very delicate subject and I would never, you know, I don't dare minimize it for anybody. But what I can say is that we can definitely choose how we're going to grow from this space and if we if we even are going to grow from that space because sometimes it takes time and i mean i'll say it for myself much like you when i was younger it was a family member who abused me and it took me literally i think it was like all of like 20 years to finally like admit it and start working on healing it and creating new life from that space and it's all about choices you know i chose to to see the truth I chose to acknowledge it to myself and to the people around me. I chose to look for help with my therapist and I chose to do the internal work of talking to my inner child, just like you, of healing all of those old core wounds and then showing up. So it all comes down to that as well, that you know 
even when there's trauma in your life, whatever kind of trauma that might be, because there's many different kinds. Right now we're focusing on this because you and I have experienced it, but then there's also all kinds of, you know, trauma within the parents and then, you know, so many different kinds. But in that space that you always get the chance to step within your own power and then grow from that space. But now that um, now that I'm saying that, in terms of addressing other kinds of trauma, you know, perhaps people listen to this and they go, oh, that doesn't apply to me because, you know, I've never gone through this or that. What other traumas can we look into so that we can start healing them? A lot of people may not be able to resonate with either of our stories because everybody has their own journeys that they're going through. And I would just say even too, and I remember, I think it was yesterday, I saw a post and it said something of, you know, like if it, if it makes you feel bad, if it's something you're dwelling on, if it's something that doesn't sit right with you, some people may address that as trauma. And um, I think the purpose of this person's post was that, you know, we, only the person who is experiencing something can identify and say, okay, well, this is what it feels like. If, if you moving across the country to a new, a new job and a new place where you have no friends and that feels overwhelming for you and you want to classify that as trauma, you can't, right? Like that's a, it's something that's overwhelmingly emotional. So I would just say like to anyone that is going through something that is, that feels very heavily on you, very heavy emotionally. Um, just really making sure that you find time, one, to just sit with it. Sometimes we need to just sit and address stuff. And that doesn't mean, you know, like you have to verbally say anything to anyone, but just even acknowledging. Like that's one of the things that I had to learn was just acknowledging my feelings and just saying, okay, this is how I feel right now. I feel really sucky right now. I don't want to get out of the bed why and then just asking yourself why do you feel that way and then what are some things that you can do to shift your mood and i just think like the more that we that we talk to ourselves and really just affirm one that it's okay to have these feelings right because we're going to have a range of emotions but it's okay to it's okay to feel it and it's okay to not even know what to do next right it's okay to not have the answers i know sometimes we always just want like that quick fix or you know i remember when when i broke up with um, with my ex and I remember just like Googling, you know, like how to get over an ex. And then I saw articles like <laughs> yeah. 10 ways to stop thinking about him or mm -hmm. five steps to get happiness, you know, after your relationship is over. And it's like, you know, it, it really doesn't work like that. Maybe for some people it does. I'm not going to knock it if that's your thing. But I mean, at a more holistic lens, it's just like just sitting and being okay and accepting where you are and not accepting like oh this is where i'm at this is where i'm going to stay but just accepting like okay this is my situation this is how i feel now what am i going to do to make myself feel a little bit better mm -hmm. and um i remember um reading because i'm actually in a in a course right now and the course is for for women that do want to heal who are um i don't like to say victims i keep using that word but survivors of yeah, abuse mm -hmm. and um the in one of the assignments we had in our course was to look at i don't i know i'm not saying it correctly now so maybe this is something i can look up after and say it to you but it is um it's like a feeling scale i know i'm not saying it correctly and i'm not sure if you're familiar with it but it shows the range of emotions that we have from like the most highest vibrational one to the mm -hmm. lowest vibrational one and one of the, the 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 women that was presenting on this just said even if you're just able to get yourself one emotion higher than where you were before that's okay right so maybe like you're really really angry and we know like just angry let's say like angry is a 10 but maybe a nine is like okay i'm sad so like sad is a little bit better than being angry and even if you're just able to get yourself to that point pat yourself on the back and it's okay because one of the things for me, I remember when I was so depressed and crying my eyes out last year and I would get up and I'd be so upset. I actually was mad at myself that I was upset. I was mad at myself that I didn't know what to do. And I was mad for not being happy, but that's something that's it's, it's not really natural, right? It's not natural to go from very angry 
to super perky in 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 one flash right and i know that we could pretend to do it like yeah i can definitely portray that like i came out of the house and i went to work and i had a smile on my face but my coworkers didn't see me you know five minutes before in the bathroom bawling my eyes out Mm -hmm. so yeah we can do it but know inside that we're just putting on a mask we know that we're not actually feeling that way so that's one of the things that I will also say to the listeners even if you don't want to put that label of trauma that's okay but if you have those days where you're just you're feeling a certain kind of way because of something that you're going through just think hey what can I just do to get myself to the next level up or just to make myself feel a little bit brighter maybe that's by ice cream maybe that's watching your favorite show on Netflix maybe that's listening to your podcast Safa like maybe that's just turning Turning it on, you know, like whatever it is, just really try to, you know, just honor yourself because going back to like, again, like us being whole and us being our first love, we need to also, we need to like trial and error and figure out those things that's going to get us happy and that's going to get us feeling good. And that's going to get us, you know, truly figuring ourselves out in a way that nobody else can because yeah nobody else is going to be able to know us the better as best as we can know ourselves mm-hmm. absolutely i agree and that's to me a big part of the process of healing because what it means is then you give yourself permission to not force yourself to quote unquote let go which is i think another mm-hmm. phrase that maybe gets a little too overused within like the spiritual community it's like oh just let you know and not even that but like in general in our world it's we're too it's too facile for us to be like oh just let it go and it's very dismissive of the work that needs to go on internally where a lot of the times it's making a decision as to how you're going to sit with what's happening and that could be that you're sitting there and going through it and you decide well <laughs> you know i'm going to just stay in the story a little bit longer or i'm going to change it or i'm not and it just takes time it takes time and grace and it takes a lot of introspection and that's again where i take it back to it may not be the easiest thing in the world to do but it's worthwhile and you're absolutely right it's completely valid to want to sit there and just like binge tv or whatever (laughs) if that's what you need in that moment as long as you remember (laughs) yeah exactly as long as you remember that your emotions are not you you know you're feeling this and you can choose to deal with it however you need to even if that means putting it off for a little bit longer However, know that every action that you take is going to have a reaction and also know that mm-hmm. just because you're experiencing that emotion doesn't mean that you are that emotion. That's a great reminder. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, well, Joe, we're getting close to end, but would you, what would you leave the listeners with in terms of how to become empowered and uplifted within themselves? Uh, one thing that I would leave the listeners with is Just remember, one, that you're human and no one goes through the human experience unscathed, right? We're always all going to have those mountains, those high moments, but we're also going to have valleys. And as much as I wish none of us ever experienced a valley, like, it's just not reality. So I would just say, like, even through the ebbs and flows of life, just really thinking about what you can do in those moments to honor yourself and to make sure that you're not getting stuck there, right? Like you don't ever want to be stuck. And if you find yourself being stuck, which is natural, it's definitely, you know, definitely happens. Then doing that, going that extra step and just reaching out. There are so many, um, you know, resources out here. There are people out here. You mentioned coaches earlier. There are hotlines. There, there. Are, we have access to a lot of things um, in this day and age. And mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking specifically, you know, just around like big stig- stigmatized issues, which it really sucks that we still have to use that word stigma because, you know, it's just like, these are natural things that happen to us, right? Mm-hmm. But for those things that are stigmatized still, like just doing searches and seeing, you know, if there's even just like groups in your community or online that you can find of people that have had similar situations. And if, if you're a person that values connection, that might work for you. Mm-hmm. So I would just say that like not getting stuck, going back to what we said earlier, nothing is ever your fault, have compassion with yourself. And one day you'll be able to look back and really just out of yourself or pushing through and not stopping. Because that's the most important thing is just like really pushing through those tough moments, even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. 
Mm, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Yeah. And would you also let the listeners know where they can find you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am very much heavily on Facebook and Instagram. So on Facebook, my name is Journey with Joe. And on Instagram, Journey with Joe underscore. And you can also find me on my website. This is where I do my blogs at www.journeywithjoe.com. So all of those platforms are all interconnected and you can learn more about me, get, you know, more insight into who I am as a person, um, check out my book, check out my blogs and everything like that. I would be more than happy to connect with anyone. And, um, you know, like we, we both spoke about like finding resources. If anybody, you know, if you ever just need someone to chat to or to vent, please feel free to message me. I, I'm more than willing to be um, a partner in anybody's healing. Awesome. Oh, and what is the title of your book? The title of my book is Jada's Diary from Growing Pains to Found Promise. And um, it's a fiction book. It's a fiction book that is heavily, heavily based on my life experiences, but I, I love living in the dream world sometimes. So for me, it made sense to, to write it with a fiction spin, but um, based on, you know, just experiences that I went through in my life. And the reason why the subtitle is From Growing Pains to Found Promise, because I feel like this is the space that I'm living in. I've had a lot of growing pains, a lot of things that has built me. And now I'm truly finding my promise and living in it. Awesome. Very good. Mm -hmm. Joe, well, thank you so much again for joining me. And uh, I definitely hope to have you again on the show sometime. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much, Safa. You've been a great host and it's been very wonderful speaking with you. Oh, my pleasure. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you for joining me again today. And please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, if you'd like to schedule your one-on-one -on -one consultation, or if you want to learn more about inner child work or core wounds, you can find me via email at info at nourishingpaths.com. You can also find me on Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. And of course, you can always join me here every Monday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and an upload review so that other people can find the show as well. And I will talk to you next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. 